0: All right, hopefully you found your spot in Proverbs 6. Uh, God's word reads this. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep? a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And this is the word of the Lord. Uh, There's a book written by Jerry Bridges. I would recommend it to you all. It's called Respectable Sins. Uh, In this book, Bridges kind of walks through this handful of sins that the church seems to think is just okay. Uh, They receive no rebuke or no attention from church leadership. Uh, And I believe fully in the message and the contents of that book. I do believe that there are some sins that just get all the limelight. Okay, so the church is very quick to condemn the homosexual for their lifestyle, and the church is very outspoken against the man who is having an affair, as we should. We should stand on the truth of God's word. I'm not saying we don't speak out against those things. But at the same time, the church remains quiet as a group of members gathered together, perhaps in the back of the auditorium, and they gossip about so-and-so veiled in, hey, make sure you're praying for so-and-so. Oh, you didn't hear? Well, let me tell you. The church remains silent as the the narcissistic and combative individual argues his or her way about everything, that my theological viewpoints are right, and if you don't believe them, then you are going to burn uh, viewpoints that are secondary and tertiary to the gospel of Jesus. See, narcissism and gossip are sins the church seems to pass over uh, amongst many others, and I believe another one of those sins is the sin of laziness. And if you disagree with me that the sin of laziness is a sin, I know you will most certainly agree that laziness is unwise. Uh, You recall a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, Keith mentioned a quote from Oscar Wilde, and it says, true friends stab you in the front, meaning true friends are those that are willing to have difficult conversations with you. I am so blessed to have good friends who will stab me in the front. Like a good friend will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And so church, I I hope, and I'm I'm talking to myself today, as we discuss this uh, topic of laziness, I hope you will not receive this as uh, a hateful, vindictive message, but rather a loving friend who desires to stab you in the front, as weird as that sounds. So with that in mind, I want us to look at this idea of laziness. And again, if you don't think it's a sin, I know you'll agree with him that laziness is unwise. And this is why Solomon keeps coming back to the topic of laziness. Uh, you will remember that he is writing the book of Proverbs to have his sons live life well. And so he's spurring them on to not be idle because it's unwise and it's sinful. And I believe it is also a gateway sin. And what do I mean by that? By through the sin of laziness, you open yourself up to a plethora of other sins. So again, this is why all throughout Proverbs, Solomon keeps coming back to the topic of Laziness. I just got finished reading Proverbs in my quiet time with one of my uh, dear friends, Austin. I was uh, shocked by how many times Solomon just kept coming back to laziness. Here are a couple verses for you. Proverbs chapter 10, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Further on in chapter 12, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Furthermore, in 19, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. And then lastly, in Proverbs 24, Solomon says that he, uh, I passed by a field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone was broken down. And then I saw and considered it. and I looked and received instruction. He says the same thing from our opening reading today. A little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Solomon is warning his sons and warning us today in this room that we cannot be idle. Christian, there's work to be done. Get up and get moving. And so our main idea this morning, what I want us to focus in on is this. The life of a Christian is one of action The life of a Christian is one of action. So friends, Christian in this room today, if you want to grow in your faith and if you want to be more obedient to the Lord, then you have got to avoid laziness like the plague because God desires his people to be active, active in pursuing him, active in showing hospitality, active in serving the church, active in loving those around you. Simply said, laziness is the exact opposite of the life God has called his children to be about. And now before we get too comfortable, like, well, I'm not lazy and you know, I've been working, you know, 30 plus years and I do all these different things. You know, I don't want us to look at just typical laziness, okay? Because I think we would all argue that the, the, the long-term unemployed individual who just sits on their couch all day playing Xbox and eating Cheetos, just, you know, doing nothing with their time. I think we would all argue that that is lazy, but I want to look beyond that, okay? I want to look because laziness reveals itself in many different ways, The point I want to make is, again, Christians have got to be active. We have to take initiative in our lives. Now, that does not mean this is just my life and God is along for the ride. So I'm going to do what I want when I want to do it, and I'll bring God in when he uh, is ready. But instead, that means we are making decisions actively in our lives using biblical wisdom. And as we make decisions, our spirits are moving, and we are praying that the Lord honor us and bless us. Uh, in our decisions, and that he would guide us away from the wrong ones. I think many of us in this room today may not be physically lazy. I commend many of you in here for working the jobs for as long and as hard as you have. There are many of us in this room that are not physically lazy, but perhaps, myself included, at times we have been spiritually lazy, and and I think spiritual laziness is dangerous. It is a sinking ship to be in uh, because, again, spiritual laziness uh, opens us up to a plethora of other sins, and it's eventually, I think, going to lead us into physical laziness. Okay, so what, what, does, so what does spiritual laziness, what does this look like in our lives? I'm going to make two statements, and please do not tune me out when I say these or freak out. What does spiritual laziness look like in our lives? It looks like this. Stop praying to God to see if you need to serve in a church. Do you honestly think God is going to tell you, nah, I don't want you to serve in my church? I think a lot of times we use, let me pray about it as a sanctified no. I remember once in my uh, school or, or school, my church, I went to during college, uh, I was asked to serve. I'd been a, uh, a longtime attender and they asked me to serve and I really didn't want to serve. And so I said, you know what? Let, I, let me pray about it. Let me make sure that's the right place that God wants for me. And I'll never forget the guy that asked me just looks at me with a smile and goes, why do you need to pray about it? Oh, well, yeah, I just need to make sure this is where God wants me. You know, what if this is not where my gifts are best suited for? And he goes, well, why don't you just serve? And if it's not where you want to serve, we'll put you somewhere you want to serve. I was like, ah okay, fine. And so I did it. So a lot of times, do you honestly think God is going to say, I don't want you to serve in the church. So we have to stop and tell us you don't want to serve or begin to serve. The last other thing too, don't tell me out again. Stop praying to God to move in your life when you yourself are not doing anything to contribute. Have you been praying to God for a job? Okay, awesome. How many jobs have you applied for? How many interviews have you had? Have you been praying to God for friends and for connections? Amazing. How many conversations with people are you actively having or when service concludes or when events that you go to are wrapping up, you're the first one out the door. Maybe you've been asking God to bring you a spouse, a godly wife or a godly husband beautiful prayer to pray. How many dates are you going on? How many conversations are you having with people? How are you putting yourself out there? So too often in our lives, I believe, we do these things, we remove all responsibility from ourselves, put it all on to God. And so that inevitably when weeks go by without any change, we can get frustrated at God and not ourselves because, well, I've just turned it all over to God. God, God, I pray that you would bless me with a job and you just sit in your living room and you don't do anything. So obviously no one's going to come knocking on your door and saying, do you want this job? Okay. So when that doesn't happen, you're like, Lord, I prayed about this. Get up and do something, God. And God's telling you the same thing. I have a dear friend of mine who hates his job And he wants out of his job, and he's been praying for God to give him a new job. And there have been multiple times where an opportunity has come across his desk, and instead of taking it, he sits down and goes, Now, Lord, if this is the job that you want me to take, or if you want me to do this, I just pray that you would give me a sign. I'm like, That's the sign, you know, like, take the job. And then inevitably this opportunity vanishes. And so he's stuck back at the job that he hates, frustrated with his life and therefore frustrated with God of why are you not delivering me out of this job, God? Because you're lazy. You're not doing anything about it. You're not taking initiative. I have another friend who desires to be married. They, they, they desire a godly spouse. They want to date. They want to be in a relationship, but they actively refuse to put themselves out there. They refuse to talk to a person of the opposite sex, one-on-one, and they don't want to go out on any dates. I don't know how you met your spouse, but I would venture to say it started with hello, okay? Okay. And, this is, and my friend said, it's okay to share, uh, you know, but they, they pray and pray to God for a spouse and they won't do anything about it. And the same friend has said, you know, Nate, I'm just trusting in God. And if I do anything on my own, I'm, I'm just gonna be, I'm being unfaithful. I'm being unfaithful to God because I prayed for it. And then I'm going out and trying to bring about change. And I said, no, I think you're just being lazy. And like, I love you. I'm stabbing you in the front here. Like, I think you're just being lazy. You're removing responsibility from you and putting it all onto God. Cuz here's what happens. We misconstrued our laziness as God's inactivity. We fool ourselves into thinking we're being faithful to God when in truth we're just being lazy. We don't want to put in any work. Now, I want to be very clear here. Does God work in grand instances? Absolutely, he can miraculously give you a job or a spouse without, doing, or without us having to do anything, but that is not the normal way that God typically chooses to work. God in his sovereignty and his providence has chosen to work primarily primarily through the ordinary means of day-to-day life, okay? So what does that mean? That means we have to take action. We have to take initiative in our lives. And as we're doing that, we are also asking, Lord, I just pray that you would bless my search, that as I am applying for jobs, or as I'm looking to meet a spouse, I just pray that you would give me discernment and give me wisdom uh, to help me make the right decisions and lead me ultimately to where you want me. Uh, God, I ask that you give me guidance and wisdom. We are praying to the Lord. He is ever present in our searches and in our findings. I am reminded too of uh, the interaction between God and Elijah in 1 Kings. Uh, 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, it reads, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke its pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, heard the low whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak. He went out, stood at the entrance of the cave and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Guys, I think sometimes the very thing that you're praying for is right in front of you. Okay, now not always, but I think it's very close by, but... We're wanting God to be in the earthquake. We're wanting God to be in the fire and we're wanting God to be in the wind. We wanna see him in a pillar of cloud and fire, okay? But we forget that more often than not, God is in the low whispers of day-to-day life. And again, I think God gets the glory both ways. Obviously, who doesn't want a lightning bolt road to Damascus moment where the Lord descends and gives him this gift or this blessing or just reveals his face? Everyone wants that. That's not a bad thing to pray, but we also have to understand that God is most likely probably not going to do that. Again, not to say he can't or won't, but more often than not, he's in the low whisper and he works in the ordinary means of day-to-day life. And so friends, my charge to you, my charge to myself is to get up, get motivated, and pray that God would bless you in whatever journey you are walking and whatever goal you are desiring to reach. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to have a better job or not a better spouse, but a spouse? Um, But (laughs) be very careful with that. Um, But do you want to grow or move forward in your life? then you have to take initiative and ask that the Lord would bless you in that search and in that striving. And here's the, here's the good thing, because I think a lot of people are afraid of this. What if I choose wrong? What if I make the decision and it's wrong? Okay, I believe God and his love and his grace will just correct you and move you to where you want. I'm gonna give you an example of this. Many of you know how I came here to the church, but if you don't, uh, I was living in Ohio with my mentor, uh, and his family during COVID. And I previously, before that, I was a high school English teacher in Lexington. I was teaching kids that were five years younger than me and twice my size. Um, had to give detention to a couple of them. And I said, please don't kill me. Um, but um, no, but um, um, where was I going with that? Sorry. But uh, I, a friend of mine uh, got an opportunity to move to Louisville and he said, hey, do you want to move with me? And at the same time, I had an opportunity to move to Louisville, no job prospects, but at the same time, I had my old job offering me uh, to come back, work uh, less hours so teach one less class and to make more money. Slam dunk offer right there, or I could go to Louisville. And I prayed constantly. I was like, Lord, I actually don't know what to do because I don't have a piece about going to Lexington, but Louisville sounds very good. I, I just don't know what to do, Lord. And I'm afraid of making the wrong decision that you have for my path and plan. And it was many people who told me, Nate, If God is not vehemently telling you no, whatever option you take, you will A, be blessed in, but if you choose the wrong one, do you not think God is gonna push you back to the right path? So if I went to Lexington, do you not think God would pull me back here to Louisville? And by God's grace, uh, I came to Louisville, paid rent, 200 bucks in my bank account, I was like, all right, Lord, here we go. Least of these right here. Uh, And so I got a job at a YMCA, and then I actively started looking at churches. I called up the fifth church, or I emailed the fifth church on the churches near me list, had this really long name. I'm born and raised Southern Baptist. There wasn't First Baptist in it, but it was North Bullet Christian Church. I have no idea what bullet means. Why is it spelled differently? And I emailed and I said, hey, my name is Nathan. Uh, I just moved to the area. I feel, I'm discerning a calling into ministry? Are you offering any work for me? I'm happy to meet and to talk to you. Got an email a couple days later or a day later. Hey, why don't you come in and let's chat. And by God's grace and God's sovereignty in my life, I stand before you today. Okay, now that is not to say do what I did. I did it right. Okay, no, I fall short constantly. But the point I wanna make is, if I made the wrong decision, I firmly believe the Lord would have pulled me to the right decision eventually. And I want that for the rest of us. Do not let fear Come about through laziness. Do not let fear immobilize you. Okay? Now, as we're talking about laziness as well, I do want to make a clear distinction for you in this room. Okay? It is okay for Christians to rest. Okay? For a period of time, you can rest. Rest is biblical. I am a huge proponent of good Christian rest. Uh, In college, I heard this talk and uh, someone gave, they called it strategic neglect, learning when to strategically say no to something because you're overworked. Um, And that was my favorite thing because I was taking seven classes. I had two on-campus jobs. I was dating someone at the same time. I was like, I have no life for anything else. And so people were like, hey, Nate, I think you'd be good for this. I was like, I wanna do that so bad, but I will die if I do that. And so I will say no, thank you. Um, I had to learn to say no to things. And it's not fun. Nobody likes... For the most part, nobody likes saying no to something they really want to do, okay? But it's okay for Christians to rest for a period of time. We have the Sabbath for that. God commands rest for his people, are there so you know perhaps there are seasons in your life where we where we you know dial back our service or our work because you know we're burning out uh, we're burning the candle at both ends maybe we're overworking to the detriment of our family or our health uh, then it's okay to take a step back at a time you're not being lazy you're being wise I would say but here's what you need to look at and you need to have loving friends come come upon you and you know maybe stab you in the front. And say, and this is what you need to ask Is the majority of your life marked by inactivity and a lack of motivation to serve God and your brothers and sisters? Is the majority of your life marked by inactivity? When's the last time you went and served somewhere? When's the last time you loved and served your brother or sister in the Lord? Is the majority of your life? Now, a season is fine if you need that, okay? So when I moved to Louisville, 200 bucks on my bank account, I was not walking around saying, hey, you want to go to lunch? You want to go to lunch? You want to go to lunch? Let me take you out. No, it was, can you take me to lunch? Can you take me to lunch? Can you take me to lunch? You know? And so there are times where you have to have wisdom and that's fine. But is the majority of your life marked by inactivity. Okay, friends, here's the thing. I want you to write this down. Rest is biblical. Laziness is sinful. Okay, rest is biblical. You are honoring the Lord every moment you are taking a biblical rest. Laziness, though, is sinful. Now, I'm going to leave that to your discernment and to your closest circle of friends and context to, have to speak into your life. Am I doing too much or too little rest? I don't know you well enough to make that judgment call, Okay. Now, next, as we're talking about laziness, I want to caution us because laziness gives rise to many sins. That's our next point. Laziness gives rise to many, many sins. And so we need to be careful about being lazy. As mentioned at the beginning of this message, I believe laziness is a gateway in which many sins can crop up in our lives. Uh, Peter warns us in 1 Peter. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil is actively trying to harm us. May we not be caught sleeping or being lax, but may we be ever vigilant. When laziness enters into the Christian life, suddenly we are faced with numerous sins and numerous issues we did not have before. I've had one too many conversations of someone saying, I have never struggled or wrestled with blank until I retired and I had all this time on my hands. I have never uh, seen someone's like all of a sudden they're just riddled with temptation because their schedule is so busy. Now that can happen, absolutely, but it's when there's nothing to do, when you don't do a whole lot and you just kind of lay around the house all day or you're just extremely inactive, that's when the devil seems to get you constantly. We become faced with many, many issues. I'm going to give you just a couple. Here, I want to give you one important one that I want to kind of use another one as a jumping off point. Laziness breeds busybodying. This is a big one, busybodying. Busybodying is this. If you don't know what it means, this is what it means. If you don't do anything with your life, typically you begin to invest and involve yourself in everyone else's business. Okay, we all know someone who places themselves in situations that doesn't concern them, okay? My dorm hall in college, we were really close. There's this one guy, we would, you know, we'd all just be just one guy. We were always talking. We'd always be uh, conversing and he'd just, like pop, it's like smoking. He'd be like, Hey guys, what are we talking about? What are we doing? Where are you guys going?" And it was like, Hey man, love you to death. Go away. Doesn't concern you. Like he was just invested in every little thing that anyone was doing. If there was a conversation on the dorm hall, no matter how private it was, I mean, you would just hear footsteps like like he was going to find out who was talking on the hall. He was a busybody. Okay. I have been a busybody, absolutely. I like to know what's going on. I did the same thing in college too. If two of my friends are talking, hey guys, what are we talking about? What's going on? You know, And I had to train myself, it's not my business. You know, And sometimes when I've walked up just wanting to have a pleasant conversation with someone, you know, someone said, hey Nate, like we're actually having like a, oh, okay, cool, you walk away. That's the sin of busybodying is we invest, investing ourselves in everyone's business. It doesn't concern us. Uh, Paul warns as Timothy, as he's uh, pastoring the church of Ephesus, there are people doing this. And Paul warns Timothy, he says, besides that, these people, they learn to be idlers going from house to house and not only idlers, but gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Now in this specific context, Paul's referring to widows in the church, but this warning is for everyone, Okay. If we allow ourselves to become lazy, then we open up ourselves to the sin of gossip and the sin of busybody. And I don't want to be rude when I say this, but the idea is I have nothing to do with my own life, so I'm going to invest in people's lives who are way more interesting than my present circumstance. Okay, that is typically how the sin arises. Like I'm just sitting around watching TV all day. I'm going to call up so-and-so and see if they heard the coolest news. I want to know what the gossip, I want to know what's going on. The solution is simple. Get a job, get a hobby, spend time with others, whatever the case may be to avoid laying around the house all day. Do something with your time. Outside of that, uh, we see laziness breeds temptation of sin. Now I wanna be careful when I say this, okay? Don't miss this. Temptation of a sin is not sin in of itself. Okay, Jesus was tempted with sin. So being tempted is not a sin. Partaking in the temptation is the sin. Okay, so one of the best pieces of advice to those who struggle with pornography or alcohol addiction or any other major vice is to not allow yourself to become bored or not allow yourself to be lazy. Fill your schedule with things so that you're not at home just lying around. Because when we're idle is when sin and temptation come knocking on the door. Okay? As, a, as a single man at my age, uh, if you lay around the house all day, you are opening yourself up to a lot of sins and a lot of temptation. So the argument is, I need to get out of the house, or I need to have people over to the house. I need to do something and not just lay around all day. Now, obviously, prayer is a vital tool in combating our sins, okay? We can't overcome temptation without the Lord. We have got to pray through our sins and through our addictions. But let's be honest, sometimes the wisest course of action is just to get up and do something, to go and remove yourself from the situation, okay? Go on a walk, go to the gym, go out to eat, you know, invite friends over. Whatever you need to do, do not be lazy and lay around the house where temptation's can come knocking at the door. Be active in removing yourself from situations where you know you're going to be tempted. And be active in removing the things in your life that are gonna lead you into temptation. Do you struggle with alcohol addiction? Well, be active in removing the triggers and temptations. Do you struggle with pornography? Be active in narrowing down what leads you down that path and remove perhaps your electronic devices for a time. Get an accountability partner. Talk to somebody, okay? For me personally, uh, in my life, some of you don't know, some of you may know, uh, I, you know I have been really struggling with loneliness, okay? I, I love my church, I love my friends, I love my family, I have no reason to be lonely, but there are times where I'm just sitting around the house and I feel lonely. Obviously, that opens you up to temptations and sin. So one of the best things that I did in my life is I started going to the gym. You probably already noticed that though, Um <laughs> You know, the first time I started working out, I walked into work. I said, Terry, don't freak out. I'm not a stranger. This is me, Nate Stevens. I know you didn't. I had to like, kind of like, walk through the door sideways because my muscles were so big, you know. No, but in all seriousness, I started going to the gym, okay? I started working out more, and it killed an hour of my day. So I'd go to work. I'd leave work. I'd go to the gym. I'd come home. I'm tired. I eat dinner, and then I do whatever it is that I want to do. Hang out with my roommate. I read a little bit. It killed time for me. Um, And I really enjoy it. Now, the gym is not for everybody. So I'm not saying, you know, go, you have to go work out. Um, But for me, I found something to do. If you want to avoid laziness, friends, obviously pray. Obviously pray to the Lord. But sometimes it's wise to get a hobby, you know, build a puzzle, you know, do something with your time. Because again, how many times have we sat in our rooms or sat down doing nothing? We are facing temptation. We are facing a struggle in our life. And we pray the prayer, Lord, I'm being tempted right here and right now. Remove the temptations from me. And then you, just, you don't do anything. So then when you inevitably fall into the temptation, you're like, Lord, I prayed. I don't get it. I pray that you would take away the temptations that I would battle, but you didn't do anything. And again, the Lord is saying, no, I gave you a way out. You know, there's the door. Leave the situation. Are you lonely? Go out and do something. Again, we remove responsibility from ourselves. Again, the Lord can move in mighty ways, but sometimes the Lord just wants you to leave sometimes and go out and do something to get you away from that struggle. If we allow ourselves to be lazy, Solomon warns us again, looking back at our reading, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Spiritual poverty, physical poverty, and relational poverty awaits all of us if we just allow ourselves to slip into laziness. Okay, physical poverty, maybe your life or maybe you lost a job because you were lazy or maybe you lost out on opportunities to do something great because you were just lazy. Have you suffered poverty that way? Relational poverty. Have you stopped being able to meet with friends and connect with friends because you just don't want to go out and talk to anybody? Like, yeah, like I really want friends, but I just don't want, to, I don't want to have anybody in my home. Like, I don't want to get up and do anything. So your relationships suffer. There's only so many amount of times people can take no that you don't want to hang out before they just stop calling. So maybe we've suffered relational in poverty. And then spiritual poverty is so what I want to talk about specifically here. I wrote spiritual drought, but laziness breeds spiritual drought or spiritual poverty. Okay, so I can remember back in high school uh, when I got on the baseball team my junior year. Um, I can remember this time vividly. So, I, if you didn't, I played baseball my entire life. I played from T ball and then I played up. Um, and I, I want to brag when I say this, but I was really good at baseball. I loved playing baseball. Uh, but I had taken a few years off for my dad's health issues. Um, it just, you know, financially we couldn't do it. And uh, my, you know, my dad was super, super sick. And so, when I finally, after those years, came back to the baseball team, I mean, I was awful. Like, I was just awful awful at baseball. My first year back, I put in work at practice and that was it. And for the rest of the season, I remained the world's worst baseball player. Um, I don't think I got on base except once. That's only because I got hit. You know, like I was horrible at baseball. My laziness hindered my ability to grow and to get Better, so it wasn't until next year when I put in the work at practice, I practiced outside of that uh, on the weekends I threw the baseball with my dad and with my friends when his health uh, you know allowed it. I went to the batting cages and I put in more work that I began to get better. And then when the next season started, I mean, I was, I was back to normal. I was really good at baseball. I, was, I went from literally you know the last batter, you know, the bottom of the batting order, I went up to the first and second. And I was really happy with that, but I put in the work. My previous laziness brought about an athletic drought in my life. And in the same manner, laziness can bring about a spiritual drought. In our lives, okay. If we're not doing anything with our spiritual lives, if we're not doing anything with our relationship to the Lord, we're gonna suffer spiritually. We're gonna go through a season of a drought or spiritual poverty. And so friends, let me ask you these questions. How can we hope to grow with God when we only open up his word for one minute on a Sunday as the opening readings are being read at church? How can we hope to hear from God when we never pray to him? And how can we hope to connect with our fellow Christians at this church and elsewhere if we only attend Sunday mornings and if we only speak to them on a first name basis? Friends, oftentimes the answer to why I cannot hear from God and why I still struggle with a particular sin is just the harsh reality that I'm lazy because the Lord always offers a way out. It's do I take it or not? And I don't mean that in a mean way. I say this to all of us because I desire us to live the life that God has called us to live. I desire nothing more than to see all of us flourish in our relationships with the Lord. So our final thought today. So like, okay, cool, Nate. Thanks for calling me lazy for 30 minutes. You know, uh, Final thought. So what do we do with that? Okay, our motivation is this. Look to Jesus for our motivation. Okay, now we're gonna get to the good stuff. Okay, we're gonna you know, look to Jesus For motivation. Uh, Isn't it funny how there never seems to be anything to do around the house for work or, you know, working around the house until you see somebody else doing it? You, know, you haven't cleaned all day. Your spouse comes home. They begin sweeping the floors or, you know, ki- you know parents, you come home, your kids haven't done anything all day and you start cleaning. And all of a sudden it's, oh, well, I can do that. Hang on. Let me do that for you. No, no, please. I insist. I insist. You know, maybe you forgot something on your list of things that you needed to get done around the house or at your job. And then you see your boss or your spouse starting to do that very thing. And then suddenly you leap up into action. Like, oh, no, no, let me do that. Let me do that. Suddenly you're spurred on into Activity. Um, I was notorious, I think I've shared this before, I was notorious for my mom would say, hey, Nate, I'm coming home from work. I need you to take the chicken out of the freezer and put it in the sink to let it thaw so when I come home, I can just cook dinner. Easy. I got you, Nancy. I'd uh, be sitting down, playing video games, Hear the garage door open? Oh no! And then I'd run to the kitchen, like swing open the freezer door, grab the chicken, throw it into the sink. Uh, Don't even turn the hot water on the faucet so it just obviously just was put there. My mom comes home. How you doing? Good. Just playing Xbox, watching TV. What'd you do today? Nothing. You know, I was lazy and it wasn't until I heard my mom coming home that I was spurred into action or sometimes even worse. Parents, maybe you can relate that, you know, I hear my mom doing the job that I should have done. And all of a sudden I run out of my bedroom, mom, I forgot to thaw the chicken out as she's holding frozen chicken already in her hand. She goes, oh, really? You know? Love my mama, but um, and she loves me, I promise. So like we've all been there. You know, suddenly there's nothing to do, but suddenly someone starts working on something that I know I should have done. I'm spurred into action. Well, in the same manner, friends, I think we ought to look at the work of Jesus to motivate us, to look at everything that Jesus has done for you and everything that Jesus has done for me, and that should motivate me to get away from laziness and to constantly be moving in an active Christian life. And do you remember, those of you who are married in here, you know, you guys just got back from marriage retreat, or some of you guys did. Uh, Do you remember the moment when you fell in love with your spouse? I mean, think about that. Do you remember the moment you fell in love with your spouse? You would do anything for them. You would not allow yourself to be lazy around them. If they needed something done, you were the first person to do it. This is how we've got to be with Jesus. We must strengthen our relationship with him. And in doing so, we'll want to be active and we'll want to be on fire for him because I recognize the work Jesus put in that I want to try and make it up to him. However you want to describe it, you can't because the deed has been paid of sin and death. Your good works are filthy rags apart from Christ. Good news. But you can try and you can serve and you can honor the Lord in your actions, You can be active in sharing the gospel. You can be active in attending and deepening your relationship here at the church. You can be active in so many different ways because we look to Jesus for our motivation. Again, your good works don't earn you pleasure and earn you favor in God's eyes. You've already got favor in God's eyes. He's died and bought you with a price. But because we love the Lord and because we want to honor the Lord, then we are spurred on into action. Friends, just look at the cross for a moment. He died for you on that cross and he took upon the full measure of God's wrath that was rightly supposed to be ours so that you may rest in him, not be lazy, but rest in him. Friends, he loves you most of his cherished creation. You'll recall in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells a parable of servants who set about to work with the the various talents that their masters have given them. Uh, You'll know that you know the ending of the parable, the third servant is eventually cursed and thrown out for his laziness because he didn't do anything with the talents of the master. Uh, The other two though, they go to work and they yield different results. Yet not because of the results of their work, but because they put in the work themselves They are blessed by their master, blessed by God Almighty. Two servants yield very different results and fruits of the Lord, and both are blessed in the eyes of God. God honors the work you put in. What does that mean? That means I am not sinning if I am preaching the gospel to somebody, or I'm not failing God if I'm preaching the gospel to somebody, and they don't respond positively to it. God honors the work that is put in, not just the fruits of it. So get to work, honor and love the Lord. The servants are blessed by God almighty. And that's what I want to be. Friends, let us look to the work of the cross and the glory of the empty tomb and the eagerness and the confident hope that we have in the coming kingdom of God. And let those things fall afresh on our souls and then spur us into action Guys, may we never be the servant of whom the master says you wicked and slothful servants. Rather, let us push on and keep working, not allowing laziness to come upon us so that at the end, we hear the most beautiful sentence that will ever be uttered. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let us get to work.